Yesterday, it took us three hours to ordain and consecrate Robert Wright as the 10th Bishop of Atlanta. It was a sort of rock and roll service. It was huge fun. The, the biggest smile in the place was on the face of the 9th Bishop of Atlanta, who was handing over his responsibility. And the 8th Bishop of Atlanta, Frank Allen, was overseeing the whole thing with sort of benign and wry amusement as this went on. I spent a good deal of uh, time on Thursday afternoon with a friend who was telling me everything that was wrong with the Episcopal Church, saying that it had become too feminized, too multicultural, too many women clergy, too much change. <sighs> it was wearisome. And then on, on Friday, I spent a good deal of time with a friend who was telling me that the church was dying because we are a we're offering a rotary telephone in an iPod age, and I have some sympathy with that. But, but it was great to be able to celebrate something that I love and value, an expression of Christian faith that is just important. It was good to see a large number of you there. I was proud of our vergers who were there in force, proud of the choir. There was 200 and something choir members. I, I was watching... Um, among others, Pam Ingram and James Marshall swaying and clapping, and it brought tears to my eyes for a number of reasons. Um, our own seminarian, Will Stanley, uh, back from Yale for the occasion, sang the litany. Our flower guild had done the most glorious flowers. We, Bruce Garner ran the whole thing and planned it and really uh, will never be thanked enough for what he did. It was, I was proud of all saints, proud of our diocese, proud of our bishops proud of you. And I enjoyed seeing all manner of people from across the church. Barbara Harris was there, long-retired long suffragan bishop of Massachusetts, first bishop, woman bishop in the Anglican communion, and African-American to boot. And I remember the, the crisis that was caused for some people's faith when she was made a bishop, and the families that I had to talk to were leaving the church because this was such a travesty of God's will. And I enjoyed seeing Michael Curry, Michael, longtime friend, Bishop of North Carolina, who I believe took more heat over uh, the time around Gene Robinson, the affirmation of homosexual Christians, than many other bishops. All bishops took heat, but I think he took more in part because he's African-American. And I went to parties at the beach, and I heard what people were saying, and I can't prove it, but there was just this nasty drumbeat underneath the party talk. I loved hearing the scriptures read in multiple languages. Usually I find that pretty tiresome. But, but in this event, knowing that we've planted an ch international church on the Buford Highway made sense of this. It was a wonderful thing. The ordination was presided over by our presiding bishop, herself the target of much criticism, in part because she is a woman. She presided with dignity, with an obviously prayerful spirit in the midst of much grandeur and much folderol, and there was lots of both. Uh, Andrew Young was the preacher, our Woodall lecturer from last year. And he talked very gracefully, talked about the challenge of leading a people by being with them and not leaving them behind by being so much in front. And one of the stories of such grace he told went back to 1962 and Bishop Carpenter of Alabama and how Bishop Carpenter was... They were trying to set up a meeting between the bishop and Martin Luther King Jr. And how that eventually happened, even though Bishop Carpenter was making statements 
critical of Martin Luther King on one hand, leading to the letter from Birmingham jail, but at the same time had invited business leaders from the community to meet in the Darcy's house and to hash out what was really going on to make some very significant moves to very significant desegregation in Birmingham as a result of that ministry. And, and Ambassador Young praised that kind of leadership that on one hand was staying with his people and on the other hand looking to move ahead. It was living with tension and living with ambiguity allowed there to be justice and truth at the same time. As Episcopalian Christians, we choose to live in and embrace and celebrate a way of being faithful that is not a flash in the pan. It's clearly too slow to change for some and too fast for others, but it's a way of being faithful for the long haul, faithful for a lifetime. We enjoy a church where we, we don't get a solution to a problem every week. We do sometimes. We don't get a mystery unveiled or a question answered every week. We do sometimes. But of course, those things happen in the church, but more important, the ways we're taught to trust God in the face of ambiguity while putting our whole trust in God's grace and love. And at the heart of our celebration yesterday was the same thing as today, same thing as last week, same thing as next week, a community of the people of God into which everyone is invited and around which we have to be so aware of the stranger in our midst. Everyone is invited gathered around the Lord's table to hear again the story of salvation, to offer ourselves in love and service, to practice generosity, and to seek and to know the transforming grace of God in our lives, wherever we are broken or in need or joyful, to know that grace and to celebrate it. Many reasons we come to church in the first place, but they boil down one word, salvation. There are others but that's the word that's in the culture a lot. At one time, salvation might mean we need and want forgiveness. Um, I'm not talking about neurotic guilt now. I'm not 